Well, hello and welcome to 360 Insights HR Tech Chat. I am very honored today to be here with Dr. Steve Hunt. Um, he is the chief expert at SAP and best-selling author of Talent Tectonics. So Steve, welcome. So great to have you here today. Thank you. It's great to be here. I'm looking forward to this conversation, uh, Jennifer. We've been chatting about today's topic quite a bit, so I'm excited to dive into it. Yeah. So today we're going to be talking about the new era of restructuring, and that's really what brought us together, um, and we're collaborating on a research piece around it. Yeah, and it's funny because we we were chatting and we realized that Jen Jen and I have been like one degree of separation for like years and years, and we finally connected and immediately we're talking about what's going on in the world of work and got talking about this restructuring coming up, which I think us and a lot of people are like, what kind of feels like we're talking ourselves into a recession, but let's not delve onto that side, but delve onto the side more. We were saying of what what have we learned about restructuring in the past, but also there are tools. The last time we went through a major phase of economic restructuring was like 15 years ago, 2007, 2008, yeah. 14 years ago. We probably both remember it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You don't, for, well, like, that's a good thing. You don't forget these things. It's, it is, it is a traumatic life event. Even if you are not directly affected by it, people, you know, are affected by it. Um, so you do remember it. And uh, it, and that's kind of, we're looking at the same, well, what do we know about this psychologically, but also, which I could go on in great length and hopefully we've learned something of that. But the other one we really got into, and Jim, I'm so excited about this conversation, is there's tools available technologically that we didn't have 15 years ago. So let's hope we approach this next one in a different way than we did in the past. Yeah. And I think that's why I'm so excited to collaborate with you is to bring in the psychology, to bring in the technology and create experiences that are more humane. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things too, just people, the 2007 ones were brutal, but like one of the things, like I got to hold it up, my book, by obligation, <laughs> here it is. When I wrote Talent Tectonics, one of the things that I focused on, which talks about the shifting nature of work and actually has a whole chapter that talks about restructuring because it's a reality in companies, even not in economic terms. There's different times you have to do it when you grow, when you build. But one of the things I talk about in Talent Tectonics also is how work has changed. And I will say one thing on restructuring is why 2007 was painful. If you looked at the restructurings that happened the previous decades, they are were unbelievably brutal. <laughs> like... This is a true story. I worked with a company where they brought all the employees into like the big cafeteria break room. They separated them into groups and like the point the, and they had some stand on one side and some stand on the other. And the one that stood on one side, they had them all walk out into the parking lot. That's crazy. <laughs> I mean, it was just you to know, and protect I think we the probably company. could all go on with a story about restructuring from the 90s and early 2000s yeah. where it was just done so poorly. Yeah, well, not, I was an HR manager at that time. I was doing these things and it was hard for us too. Oh yeah, no, HR was put in the terrible thing because they had to execute strategies that were created by people who don't actually, I think even work with people like, you know, <laughs> that, um, but it's, I always kind of joke, anyone who tells you work was better like 30 years ago didn't work 30 years ago. No, 
No, <laughs> it's not where it should be, but it's a lot better than it used to be. Well, let's dive into it, Jen. So we've talked about like restructuring. First of all, people throw this phrase restructuring around is what 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 do we mean by restructuring? Yeah, I think we've talked about three different types, right? Mm -hmm. um, and the different types are sort of initiated by different aspects in a business, whether it is a financial restructuring or a business restructuring and even, or this is hard to say, an organic restructuring. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like, how we kind of talk, talked about this and define, define a restructuring, first of all, that it's any time when there's a significant change to the roles and reporting relationships of people in a company. So it's not just people being laid off, obviously. It's and it's also it's also not just adding people into existing roles. It's when you're significantly creating different roles and reorganizing reorganizing the organization. And when you look at it this way, there are really kind of three reasons that drive restructurings. One is operational, which is you know our company strategy changed. We're growing in certain areas less than other areas. We're making to move people around. I would also put under the operational, if you're really honest about it, sometimes it's just ego-driven when leaders like, I think the company would look better if there were more people under me. Um, or, or when you get a new leader in yeah, and he wants or he or she wants to do things differently. We certainly read about headlines. So, I'll, 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 but they always call that strategic, even though if it is ego-driven. Um, but, you know, so but there's the operational restructurings, the... Other one is economic, which is the ones that I think creates the most anxiety, which is the layoffs and that sort of thing like that. And then the third one, which really didn't exist as much in the past, but because of technologies becoming a lot more prevalent is what you might call organic restructuring, which is significant movement of employees around the company that's initiated by them. Yes. They're like... I don't want to work in this department anymore. I want to work in that department. So I'm going to move to that department. And by the way, if you don't let me move, I may quit entirely. So <laughs> the, which is a different, but often we don't think of things like in the tech space, this is called like the talent marketplaces or opportunity yeah. marketplaces that are designed to promote employees going to different parts of the company. That is a restructuring. And it has a lot of the issues and problems of restructurings, even if, people don't call it a restructuring. So we kind of like kind of dive into each of these. So how, where do you want to start? Do you want to just talk through each of these types or do we want to dive into how technology is changing and how do you want to approach it? Yeah, I, I think it would be interesting because the the technology is what's new mm -hmm. um, for, for this current economic um, situation. And it's, you know, there's there's different types that are going to help make this um, more humane. These restructurings, mm -hmm. these redeployments, more humane. You already mentioned the talent marketplace. Are there a couple others that are top of mind for you? Well, I think we have a list. There's a bunch that I would go through. I think there's, and I think we have to explain a little bit of what they're doing. So first of all. You know, and, and before we get into this, one of the things that's different about the restructuring we're going through now is we have, you know, record low unemployment, chronic skill shortages. When I'm looking at companies getting rid of people, I'm thinking, are you not planning to grow again? Is there some way that you, aside from, we know a lot more about how to more effectively manage people in restructuring, and you can make arguments that you should never restructure, almost never do it. Um, I mean, sometimes the reality is companies have to do it, right? 
But the the issue is how do we do restructuring in a way that is minimally disruptive to the company and minimally disruptive to employees? So when I look at this, the technologies that exist now that really did not exist in 2007, one we just mentioned, talent marketplaces or opportunity marketplaces, which are tools designed to identify employees based on skills and interests in one part of the company and link them to opportunities in other parts of the company. And particularly in large companies, this is a big issue. There may be a need for somebody's skills that they're not even aware of because it's in a completely different department. So those definitely enable restructuring. Um, Historically, I mean, they've been thought of as more as a career development tool. Absolutely. Career um, development, career pathing. But I think that's also one of the reasons as I'm talking to companies that are using them, they're saying, yeah, from an employee perspective, it may be career development. From a manager perspective, you just took away some of my headcount. You didn't give me any backfill. That sounds like a restructuring. So what is a <laughs> career development for With employees <laughs> restructuring for a manager? Um, so that was one. I'll just go through the list really quick if you want, Jenna. Yeah. Related to talent marketplaces is artificial intelligence linking tools and skills ontology tools. So these tools that allow us to get a much better understanding of both what skills do employees have, what skills does the company need, and then you can use that information for learning, training, workforce planning, and then again, it often feeds into these opportunity talent marketplaces. Um, but yeah, we, I think there's also a connection um, between skills and the strategy, mm -hmm. right? And um, understanding the skills that you have helps you to understand the readiness to achieve your strategy. Yeah. So, and, and how you need to restructure, because part of it is, you know, if a company goes, wow, we're going to build this division, it's like, well, you have no people with those skills. Because all restructuring, it's not just about downsizing, right? It's strategic, yes. it's often about growth. So um, much better insight into how is our strategy going to impact by the availability of labor in our company? And how do we need to plan that out? So I think that's... That's really interesting. There's a lot more interesting data that can start feeding into sort of companies' strategic decisions about their workforce from artificial mm -hmm. intelligence and these skills um, analysis tools it might be a good term for them. The, the next one, so we talk about skills, that's the hard part of an organization, but the part that makes an organization actually run is relationships. Right. You know, organizations are communities of people that are sharing resources around mutually supportive goals. You know, that's what an organization is. And I think one of the most underutilized tools in the field of HR in general, but particularly restructurings, is organizational network analysis tools, which are tools that there's different ways of doing it. Um, sometimes they're survey-based. Sometimes they look at communication patterns. Um, like through email and stuff like that. But they do is they basically show you who works with who, who's interacting with org chart. Org, yeah, beyond not the org chart, chart right? Because it's not the org chart because the org chart is not the way the world works. And so using these tools, because I think one of the things I've definitely seen in restructurings, and I talk a lot about this in the book because I think in, when I was writing it, because I've seen it play out, that what makes a company highly performing, especially a really knowledge service-based company, is relationships. And when you eliminate people based on org charts or spreadsheets, you have no idea of what relationships you're destroying right. or severely damaging. 
And so, and often some of the most critical people in the company aren't necessarily the ones who have highly visible roles because just because you know where a person sits does not mean you know the impact they have on people in other parts of the organization. And so I think the, the use of organizational network analysis tools is, you know, it, it's almost crazy to do restructurings without them, but most companies don't use them. So they're doing it all the time. <laughs> right. Well, you know, maybe people don't even know that that technology exists, that it's possible. Yeah, I think that's exactly the issue. And it's starting to get um, more aware. I'm going to give a shout out to a colleague, Michael Arena. I don't know if you're Michael Arena, but he's done, and he's some of his colleagues, they wrote a book on this, but he's done a lot of work in this area. So um, very applied. Um, the next one, so we kind of got through talent marketplaces, AI skills analysis, or organization network analysis and relationships is compensation technology. Compensation technology, again, if you use it, a lot of companies don't, is getting far more sophisticated, particularly around um, like commission management and much more complicated pay structures. And I saw this in the pandemic where companies that had large commission-based workforces, their ability to avoid having to let people go mm -hmm. was heavily influenced by their ability to really change their pay structure quickly. You know, to say what we thought we could achieve is not achievable. If people can't sell, they don't get paid. If they don't get paid, they're not going to stick around. But conversely, we have to make sure that we figure out some way that we can pay them and balance this out. And so I think much more leaning into the technology used for pay, including, and this is something I also, you know, I think we have to challenge the assumption, compensation can go down. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. I, that's a tough one, right? Yeah. I agree with you. Um, people make decisions all the time for in their compensation and it can go up and it can go down. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I had a, a experience where during the pandemic, there was a, a company that asked for a 20% salary sacrifice from mm -hmm. all employees and the CEO was overwhelmed by the messages of support for that decision mm -hmm. because it meant that people could keep doing good jobs and keep contributing to the mission because they believed in it. Mm -hmm. um, and they were willing to take that salary sacrifice. Yeah. And I think the key thing is transparency around this mm -hmm. because understandably employees are going to be wary about this, right? But if you have high levels of pay transparency and your high levels of transparency on how the company business is doing, people will see that connection. I mean, yeah. if you think about compensation as an investment in the future potential of people and their contribution, just like any investment, these things go up and down over time. Um, but the way that companies have historically approached it is like this all or nothing. Oh, you add value, add value, and ooh, you must add no value at all because we totally got rid of you. And well, we're not giving you any salary increases because you've hit the top of your range. Yeah, you know, just the way it's done. Whereas if you have sort of a transition, you know, and you say, hey, we've got to relay salaries, if people feel that's unfair, well, then they can leave, you know, but it's, it, I think, much more really treating compensation as an investment and not sort of a transactional 
reward because something was something years ago i think is so true we don't actually pay people for past performance we pay people out of belief on the future contributions they'll make mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. you know unless it's a highly transactional job you know it's usually it's a different way of thinking about it so i think really leaning into what compensation technology can do now to but not just technology to really rethink that relationship of pay and people often say this it's like I mean, first of all, money's a huge motivator at work. I hate the people say money is not what motivates people. It's like, yeah, try not paying them. You'll find out how motivating money is. But it's not the only thing that motivates people. Exactly. You know? And so I think if if we just had a more transparency, candid conversation around it, I think that would we we could avoid a lot of the traumatic restructurings. And that transparency comes with the alignment to how am I contributing to the most critical objectives of the organization? Mm -hmm. Which, yeah, we could do a whole nother conversation on pay transparency. I mean, basically, if we're totally candid, the only reason companies are not transparent as pay is because they cannot or do not want to explain the differences in pay. The, the research is pretty clear on this, that this idea that employees don't want, you know, pay transparency. Yes, they do. It's yeah. it's a power. If you're withholding information from people, you're withholding it because it gives you more power or it takes away power that you don't want to give them. That's why we withhold information. It's not just, oh yeah, sometimes it's privacy and sensitivity. I don't buy that when it comes yeah, to pay. It, it's complicated. And like you said, we could probably do a whole nother podcast <laughs> on that. Um, but have you gotten through like the, the top technology? I have not. That's no, the crazy no, there's thing. Still there's more? so many. There's more. So to recap, I feel like it's the 12 days of Christmas on the first day of restructuring. <laughs> Sorry. The season we're recording. I hope that doesn't take off. <laughs> so it's the first the talent marketplaces, AI skills analytics, organizational network relationship analytics, uh, sale, what's called sales performance management, compensation, whatever, but tools to more effectively manage compensation, be more transparent about it. Then tied to that, but a little more broader is analytics tools, particularly that link HR and non-HR data. Yes. This, you know, we were talking about that the real value of employees is not measured in HR technology because we HR technology measures like people's skills and their engagement and their retention, but companies don't pay people to have them be engaged and not quit. <laughs> we pay people for, you know, generating productivity, sales, customer service, but that's not measured in HR systems. That's measured in business operation systems. And there is a technology that's sometimes called interoperable technology. Um, there's different terms for it. Invisible technology. I like that phrase where it's tools that allow you to link together these very disparate systems. This is where cloud technology is really helping it's because often the way companies track things like financial results or operational results of customer service, it's a very different structure, very different systems than the ones that are used to track employee data, costs, engagement. And now we're getting technology that's linking these things together. And if you think about restructuring, that's when you really need it. What would be the implication on the business operation of the company if you eliminated these five people? You know, somebody said, what is the cost of not hiring somebody? Right. <laughs> and, and to calculate that, we really need to link this. And this is just starting to happen. But to me, actually, 
when it comes to restructuring in HR in general, that linking of HR and non-HR data, it's like the holy grail of human resources. It's truly linking business to people. Whew, sure is. And it is the holy grail. And I think, you know, as, as I listen to what you've shared around technology, um, HR technology now is so much more than automating process. Yes, yeah. Absolutely. And there are two more. I haven't even gone through this. We're is not crazy. even through the list. Okay. We're preparing this. It really is. It's a, It's not the 12 days of technology. It's the seven days of the week um, as I'm looking at this. The next two <laughs> is contracting technology. Technology for managing employee contracts and contracting employees out. And uh, Jen, when we were starting this, I shared with you a fascinating article I read where a company when faced with an economic downturn, rather than laying off its employees, what they did is they outsourced their employees to another company, kind of the way like professional services companies do this all the time. You think what a professional services company does is it it plays some it pays somebody's salary, but their salary is actually paid off of consulting fees because yep. they lend the people on. And it's like, well, you could apply that concept in any company, and there's really you know contracting technology you know, that is coming to place. You could almost, it's a little bit like that talent marketplace technology, but across organizations, yeah. you know, where you're like, hey, we have a downturn, but here's somebody who has skills. We will continue to pay their salary and their benefits, but they'll work for you for six months. And we actually saw this done in the pandemic at an industry level. Yes. Um, some really interesting work where companies in the hospitality industry help their employees get jobs in the grocery industry. Now, the problem they ran into is a lot of those employees never came back. <laughs> yes, which can be difficult. But I think in this contracting that you're describing, I think that's just such a beautiful way to help organizations with the cost of employees and the skill shortage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right? absolutely. Now, here's an and expert resource to solve your problem customer. Well, it is, yeah. And thinking about that and just the, the also when you treat employees like this, it gets into the very last one, what I call employee, employee listening and also more of employee well-being technology. It's technology where you're really trying to understand the experience employees are having and you're being empathetic to what they're going through. Um, you're getting their ideas and making them feel like part of the process so that they're part of this change as opposed to feeling it's being done to them by soliciting their opi their opinions and showing empathy towards them. That would be, you know, there's been such advances in that technology over the last, you know, five years so that the ability for an, a company to go through restructuring in far more of a collaborative, we're going through this together as opposed to the way it will go, especially when like 30 years ago, it was completely secretive. And then suddenly everyone in all hands on Tuesday, 50% of you are gone. You know, it was brutal. Now it could be a lot more transparent. And, you know, and I've seen that happen. It's a rare exception, but I, I know some companies, for example, that said this was during the pandemic. They said, look, our market is trashed. This was not hospitality. This was actually in a retail company. Mm. And they said, we are going to have to take 25% of our workforce costs out. We're going to have to do it. There's no way we can't economically survive. Or I don't know if that was the exact number, but some number, some significant number. And they actually communicated their employees and they say, but we're not going to do it right now. We're going to do it in six months. And we're telling you this now because 
we feel you have a right to know because this could affect your life in profound ways. It definitely could affect decisions you're making. Like maybe now is not the time to buy that house if you just moved yeah. here, yeah. you know? And it showed this empathy for employees by sharing what's going on in a much open way. And I think that's an example of a whole different way of approaching restructuring, the economic restructuring that really reflects what it means to be an experience management driven company, employee experience driven company, which is not putting employee needs above company needs. It's putting right. them at the same level. Yes. Yeah. And I love the way that you're thinking about this. I love the way that you we've communicated today. We don't want to give away everything we're going to be describing in the paper. This is meant just to to build some interest. Um, so we I think we got through all the technology pieces. Yes, I think so. Yeah. Yes, I'll, until I come up with some more. <laughs> I'll just give you a few more minutes, and you'll think about a few more. I'm sure. But like as as we wrap up here. Um, you know, what's, what's the headline? I think the headline is one embrace, one is embracing restructuring that, and these different kinds, because we mainly, we kind of gravitate towards economic restructuring because that's what people think about, but actually it's probably going to become far more prevalent as organic restructuring yep. and sort of embracing the chaos of it and saying how, you know, it's like river rafting. When you're going to the rapids, you don't sit back when you go into the rapids, you lean forward and dig yes. in. Yeah. Um, so I think it's embracing that, but also doing it restructuring in a much more empathetic, we're going through this together as opposed to this is being done by the company to you. Finding ways to really keep employees and companies together. So even, even if a company, I mean, when you, when you have restructuring, particularly to affect people's careers, the ideal one is one where the person whose career was affected directly is like, yeah, but I was treated fairly and honestly, and I would come back to that company. I'm not, I hold them no ill will. Or I would be a customer of that company. Yeah, the world changes. And even probably even more important is the people that are still in that company are like, yeah, I feel better about you know this company. Yeah, we went, we lost some people like that are my friends, but the way it was done makes me feel that I would rather be laid off by this company than quit. Yep. You know, and, and you know, hopefully we'll be talking more about boomerang employees, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They treated well during this um difficult time, but they still believe in the company and they come back sometimes. Absolutely. Because at the meta level, you know, one of the things I talk in the in talent tectonics, one of the tectonic changes that is shaped changing the nature of work is the fact that we have more people aging out of our labor markets than entering them in many parts of the world. And digitalization is driving more and more demand for specialized skills. So that's why I kind of look back and say, these companies that don't do this right, don't handle the internal organic restructuring right, don't handle the economic restructuring right. You know, if you burn a bridge with a skilled employee, you're going to need them again, unless you're never planning to grow again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? Maybe that's the headline, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure that we could continue on in greater detail about this, which is what we're doing in the paper. Yeah. Um, I appreciate you being here today, Steve, and sharing your thoughts with us. It's it's really been wonderful. Well, Jen, likewise. And I'm just excited to work together on this. It's it's really cool. It was uh, just going back to that paper. We couldn't possibly share our thoughts because they're still coming. We're still having this discussion. Know, it's one of those things when, 
we dove into it, we're just like, there is so much to unpack in this area. It really and is. So it's fascinating. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you.